politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here to provide a fresh breath of air for those of you still yearning to breathe unadulterated, liberty-saturated air, which, folks, is hard to come by. We have scarcity in this world, scarcity of hearts, brains, compassion, intuition, vision, scarcity of every product, and now a scarcity of both doctors and medicines that could protect people from a virus that has now clearly been created and then enhanced unnaturally by the same people who are figuratively pulling out plugs. It is surreal what I've been doing the last number of days. I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit behind on some of the latest news, some of the most important um, things going on, just because I never thought I'd ever get into this, but the last few days I've just been helping people. I've just been trying to pair patients with doctors and pharmacies to try to get the right people, the right care, and the right medicines. This, my friends, is a fourth world country induced by the Fourth Reich. See, a third world country is kind of like, you know, Indian states, like Uttar Pradesh in, in India. They don't have many resources, but they do what they can with what they're given to care for people. And they did. And they gave out ivermectin, doxycycline, azithromycin, and they literally crushed the virus. It's unmistakable. No one wants to talk about it. And yet in this country, we have trillions of dollars that we pissed away on everything known to man. We pissed it away on the lockdown, on masks, on endless subsidies and unemployment and welfare and food. Free this, free that. Drugs that are killing people like remdesivir. All the vaccines that are leaking and not not just failing, but inducing a quasi-Merix disease which we're going to talk about, that enhances the virus. And all the people that are having long-term disorders from, from them, that it goes untalked about, un, un, undiscussed, no problem. Yet a drug that should have been pennies on the dollar has now been demonized to the point where 99% of physicians won't prescribe it. And the few that will have everyone clamoring and coming to them. And now the supply is drying up. Some of it's because of the demand. But a lot of it is because the government is tampering with it. You know what's funny? We finally got the government to secure the border against ivermectin. I'm not kidding you. The same government that is working with the cartels to bring in gangs, Rapists, previously deported criminals, fentanyl, meth, all sorts of drugs, cocaine. Somehow now, they're going to put an embargo on ivermectin. I know a lot of people are desperate. I'm going to try to give you advice as I find it 
So someone just told me, and I haven't checked this out myself, so just don't get angry at me if it doesn't work out, that there's this app, Medici, M-E-D-I-C-I, that will give you maybe a telehealth conference with someone and prescribe for $66 or something like that. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know how long that will take. Part of the problem here is time is of the essence. People need this stuff immediately. They can't afford to wait five, seven days. will deteriorate rapidly. But folks, yesterday, as I was finishing recording my home studio here, my wife is like banging on my door. What's the deal? Well, one of her best friends from high school lives in Houston. Her and her husband came down with the virus. Now, they're in their mid-30s. And they were vaccinated. And, and I say mid-30s because what that tells me, I don't know exactly when they were vaccinated. I'll have to ask them. But what's clear is that they were vaccinated even later. So it definitely wasn't January or February. They're not the type to line up the first second to get it. Probably April, May, or June. So it's even, clearly they would have more robust protection. And yet, they're getting sick from it. So I had to spend all this time, I was like, I, I called down the list of patriotic champion master doctors that... I've been so privileged to know, and some of them have brought on the show. Some of them have yet to come on the show. You know, this one's in surgery. This one's with a patient. But, you know, thankfully, I don't have a problem getting hold of at least one. But then the issue is, darn, which pharmacy does he call it into? Half of them, all the big chains won't prescribe, won't fill it. And the independent ones usually will. But there, a lot of them are out of it. What? Do, so here, I am the one, little me, with no money, no medical degree, no nothing. I have to take care of someone who is vaccinated, gets the virus, and they have nowhere to turn. Nowhere to turn. And I was like, you know, you're vaccinated pretty late. I mean... As much as the vaccine is screwing us, but you have it. So for now, you know, yeah, you'll probably be okay. Say, go go for the monoclonals. Nope, you need a prescription for that. Very limited in Texas. Okay. Well, she got a telehealth meeting with her doctor. Doctor tells her to drop dead. Literally. I have nothing for you. And again, it's not just ivermectin. Doctors prescribe prednisone like water. Everyone knows that. How many of you in the audience have gotten prednisone from your doctor? All sorts of ailments. They won't prescribe that. They won't prescribe a Z-Pack. They won't give them advice on outpatient stuff. Give them a nebulizer. Nothing. It doesn't make any sense. Stuff they do in the hospital, but it doesn't take hospital-grade equipment and, and specialty care so it's not even like, I'm not even saying the stuff that's a no-no. I'm saying the stuff that they themselves admit they're doing in the hospital. Some things are better than others. But the point is, the difference between doing it on days one through three or four versus doing it on day 10 to 15 is a difference between life and death. 
Why? No one has an answer for that. Shut up, Daniel. It's a lot easier just to get a vaccine than to mess around with all this stuff. Okay, they got the vaccine. What about all the people that did? And you're blind as a bat if you don't see in the coming months the bomb you're going to have with everyone. Everyone who got it if they didn't get prior infection. Just another interesting point here. You know, markets are very efficient. Why is there a clamor for ivermectin? If it really was trash, you'd have each person tell, man, I just got COVID. This thing, not only didn't it help, boy, did it mess me up. Word would get out. Instead, people are desperate for it. Why? I'll tell you why. Because these people have closed off every avenue of healing and curing this virus. And they have nowhere to turn. And they hear it does work. From all their friends that took it. Because indeed it works. Again, I'm just going to give you a caveat that they have enhanced this virus by a magnitude of 10, 20. So everything is, you know, a couple of magnitudes of order down the road now. It has to be, the, the, the later it is, the more intensive care you're going to need along with the ivermectin. You're going to need things like the inhaled budesonide with the nebulizer to immediately quell some of that uh, pulmonary inflammation. You're going to need, you know, whether it's famotidine, phenofibrate, some use fluvoxamine, a bunch of other things. NAC is, a, is an excellent one. Again, everyone should all have NAC, NAC. Um, it's increasingly becoming more scarce, but you should be able to find vitamin stores online that you could order it from. So that's that. Um, you know, another another thing I heard yesterday, just kind of shooting from the hip here, a brilliant doctor was telling me his dad was dying of, I mean, he had a rheumatoid arthritis, so I think it was just all the built-up cumulative consequences of that over the years. You know, he's old, very old. So he's in the hospital for the final time, and of course he gets COVID from nosocomial spread in the hospital. This guy was, all, now you might, I'm sure I you probably see where I'm headed with this. Rheumatoid arthritis is one of the things that you prescribe hydroxychloroquine for. So he's on hydroxychloroquine. They took him off hydroxychloroquine when he got COVID. <laughs> I want you guys to think about that. You're so not allowed to treat, treat COVID with hydroxychloroquine that <laughs> they went ahead and took him off even though he had rheumatoid arthritis, which it's on label for. Again, there is no way to look at that and say, Dad, it's 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 a mistake. It's they're misguided, it's medical malpractice. That's not malpractice. They're doing it on purpose. That's something much darker. Much, much darker. And of course, we have no constitution. We had a terrific show yesterday with Ralph Lariga, um, the only lawyer that's fighting for people. They could literally take your breath away. You have the right 
to force someone else to get a vaccine. You have the right to force someone else to wear a mask, but you don't have a right to merely purchase life-saving treatment. We're not even asking for it for free. Obviously, for all the money they spent, they should have done that. Now they're making it more expensive. You know, with the scarcity, the price goes up. Truly sick. Anyone who does live in, in Texas near the border and goes across from Mexico, the one good thing about that border is uh, you could get cheap ivermectin in um, Mexico. And what I hear from everyone is that there's no problem with the purity. It seems to you know work. So that's just one piece of advice. I'm just trying to give that to you. But the Constitution doesn't exist anymore. And speaking of the Constitution, folks, now is the time, beginning of September, just a couple weeks left till the September 30th training. ConstitutionCoach.com gives Constitution and defensive handgun training out in Front Sight, Nevada, Pahrump, Nevada, with my buddy Rick Green of Patriot Academy. At night, we study the Constitution during the day. We have the best defensive handgun training. There's two-day and four-day courses, $100 and $150 respectively. You do have to obviously pay for your ammo, your supplies, or buy it there if it's too much to bring on a plane. Uh, you know, the plane ticket or driving or accommodations, but make a vacation out of it. Look, I know I'm not excited to wear a mask either. Um, sedate yourself for those hours. And if you guys are within driving distance of Pahrump, boy, you have no excuse. I expect to see you there. Um, I'll be on at the October 31st training, um, God willing, maybe in November and December as well. We'll have to see. So there's at least four dates you can go. Go to constitutioncoach.com. Again, 90% off. You will not be disappointed. Imagine learning to shoot from the holster, properly clear malfunctions, hone in on your accuracy, all together with listeners of this show, other patriots, and learn the Constitution together. Truly, truly an amazing experience. It's 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 almost like my personal outlet at this point. Uh, I don't have much of that in my life. So again, go to constitutioncoach.com, today's sponsor, to hear more about that. So, you know, we're talking a little bit more about the theme of applying Afghanistan. All my colleagues want to talk about Afghanistan. And I was thinking, you know, Afghanistan is the perfect analogy. If you think about it, we have the military-industrial complex, and we have the medical-industrial complex. Everyone knows that the Pentagon is owned by companies like Lockheed Martin. I mean, everyone knows that. Likewise, the FDA, CDC, and NIH is owned by Pfizer. Okay, that is the science. If you want to understand the science of what we are and not doing in response to the pandemic, or downright the science of who created the pandemic, look no further than who owns the agencies dictating the policies. It has led to a biomedical version of Afghanistan. What do I mean by that? You have stakeholders that had a need for an endless failure that would perpetuate a need for itself. This is from day one. Steve Dace actually, I think, is the one who coined it, the term at the time in March, March of last year. And then I did a, t a show titled that, this is going to be our Afghanistan. And that is probably one of the most prescient things we've ever said. Because by blocking the things we should do, 
again, going back to counterterrorism, blocking immigration, we go there, create a mission of saving Afghanistan, which just perpetuates a need for itself because there's no way you could ever do that. And then we feel guilty and then bring in a bunch of terrorists from Afghanistan. That's what we're doing here. We embark on a thing. Let's have a lockdown to hide and mask a human-made enhanced bioweapon. Okay, but then what's your end game? Oh, well, we'll do that until we have a vaccine. Okay, then we're going to have a leaky, narrow-spectrum vaccine that kills a bunch of people, debilitates a bunch of people, people doesn't do. Okay, they'll be okay, right? No. A leaky vaccine is the perfect mechanism to perpetuate a need for what? More vaccination. It will never end itself. Well, there's one way of ending it. Give everyone prophylaxis and treatment. We said this months ago. Had every human being been on ivermectin, and at that point, you could have done the two milligrams per, per kg twice a week. This thing would be gone. How do I know? Uttar Pradesh. But then Pfizer would be gone. Merck would be gone. Both Pfizer and Merck, there's a lot of um, news from yesterday. There's a lot of news that they're now in phase three of their clinical trials for their wonder drugs. You know what? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Why are they worried about drugs? Don't we have the vaccine? Why are they saying you have to wear a mask? Don't we have the vaccine? And as we noted yesterday, why is Pfizer the champion of the vaccine sweepstakes when they clearly have the leakiest vaccine, the most ineffective one, yet they're the only ones approved for teens, for third shots, and the only ones that are the first ones that's getting the, fir- the, the, the approval. It's like, this thing's leaky, not working, need another one. Oh, here's your full, full approval. Huh? Again, that, that's not done by accident. Now, again, I'm not trying to defend J&J or Moderna or whatever. I'm just saying, if you want to understand the science behind that, there's no way you can. There literally is no science behind that. Moderna has twice the um, dosage. And at first you might think, all right, maybe it doesn't make a difference, but now you clearly see it does. You look at Israel, it's a dumpster fire. Israel is is no longer a Jewish state. It's a Pfizer state. Okay, Pfizer owns the country. 100% of the vaccines are Pfizer, and almost every adult has gotten two shots, up to almost 30% three shots. They have the highest case rate per capita. To look me in the eye and say, oh, Daniel, that's the Delta. That doesn't make sense. Why are they getting worse than anyone else? And America's following in the footsteps a month behind. Why? So, folks, we have the reason. 
A lot of you were asking me to read a little bit more about this. I was telling you about Merrick's disease and the failed chicken vaccine, which is the perfect paradigm and warning for this. And we, we know how that nightmare ends, except we're human beings. So I'll, I'm going to read to you. It's called, if you want to look it up, it's PBS. The writer is Nasikan Akpan. July 27th, 2015, okay, about six years ago. The deadliest strains of viruses often take care of themselves. They flare up and then die out. This is because they are so good at destroying cells and causing illness that they ultimately kill their hosts before they have time to spread. But a chicken virus that represents one of the deadliest germs in history breaks from this conventional wisdom thanks to an inadvertent effect from a vaccine. Chickens vaccinated against Merrick's disease rarely get sick, but the vaccine does not prevent them from spreading Merrick's to unvaccinated birds. With the hottest strains, every unvaccinated bird dies within 10 days. There is no human virus that is that hot. Ebola, for example, doesn't kill everything in 10 days. Even Ebola doesn't do that. This is getting... And I'm just interjecting here. This is getting people sick as hell within 10 days. Younger, healthier. This was not happening last round. There were all anomalies, but it did not happen in large numbers. Okay, it spread like a cold. And most people got loss of sense of smell, fatigue, you know, a little cold. The worst one's got a flu. It was only, you know, overwhelmingly people with comorbidities that really got done in by this. And that in itself was more than we've ever seen. That you know, because that is very devastating. A lot of people do have those conditions. A lot of people are older, right? And that was very devastating. And indeed, it wasn't natural to begin with. It was a bioweapon. It was created in a lab. But I want you to think very long and hard about this Merrick's disease. Let's continue. In fact, rather than stop foul from spreading the virus, the vaccine allows the disease to spread faster and longer than it normally would, a new study finds. The scientists now believe that this vaccine has helped this chicken virus become uniquely virulent. Study was published on Monday, this is in 2015, in the journal PLOS Biology. This is the first time that this virus-boosting phenomenon known as the imperfect vaccine hypothesis has been observed experimentally. The reason this is a problem for Merrick's disease is because the vaccine is leaky. A leaky vaccine is one that keeps a microbe from doing serious harm to its host, but it doesn't stop the disease from replicating and spreading to another individual. On the other hand, a perfect vaccine is one that sets up lifelong immunity that never wanes and blocks both infection and transmission. It's important to note childhood vaccines for polio, measles, mumps, rubella, and smallpox aren't leaky. They are considered perfect vaccines. As such, they are in no way in danger of falling prey to this phenomenon. But the results do raise the question for some human vaccines that are leaky, such as malaria, malaria and other agricultural vaccines, such as the one being used against Asian influenza or bird flu. Okay, this is long before COVID. And by the way, this was one of the issues with coronavirus vaccines that they never succeeded. Because people, div- see, if you don't know this, I didn't know it, I never studied this, You know, it goes over your head. But if you're a vaccinologist, if you're a developer of vaccines, you're very familiar 
with ADE, you're familiar with the leaky virus, the imperfect uh, vaccine uh, hypothesis, leaky vaccine. You know that. You couldn't have missed it. But even if you did, as this became more leaky, how could you lie to people and blame the 30, 35-year-old unvaccinated people that at the time made the right decision for dying and laughing and dancing on their graves when it's your damn leaky vaccine that induced that, that magnitude magnified something to the level of Ebola, but is as transmissible as a cold, which defies biology. Except if you have a leaky vaccine. The only saving grace over time, I think, in my mind, is that this is even worse than the chicken vaccine. That legitimately held up for a long time in the chickens that got vaccinated, but it's still transmitted. This, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm helping treat a number of people that are getting pretty sick and increasingly so, even vaccinated. So eventually, I mean, it's just going to be a dud. But the problem is what happens with the monster it created? I'm just telling you, if you find anyone that dies younger from this, if you find anyone that took some degree of ivermectin and it still didn't work, just know this is the reason. Because pre Vaccine, and not, not even pre-vaccine, but pre-vaccine leakiness. All the studies that have studied this so far, most of them are from Israel, demonstrated it's a five to six month shelf life until the leaking begins with Pfizer. In a substantial way. They all leak slowly earlier, less so with Moderna and J&J but they do leak. To me, you read this, and there is almost no way that that doesn't explain the phenomenon for what every doctor has told me. That starting like July, maybe late June in some places in the South, they saw more people get sicker than ever, younger than ever, quicker than ever, and it was becoming harder and harder to treat. Oh, that's the Delta. Yeah, but Europe got their Delta wave two months earlier, and it was, and it followed the biological pattern of Muller's ratchet. It got more transmissible and less virulent. It was like a cold. This ain't a cold. I'll tell you, this will be like nothing you've ever gotten before. There is no other explanation other than in May, in, your, in, in like the UK, for example, it didn't leak yet. So in other words, the vaccine was still holding for most people. So it wouldn't, you know, what, it, it, it wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't be vectors of spread. It would hit unvaccinated people, but it hit them the way you would expect to hit, which is everyone except for people that are very sick didn't really have a problem with it. And that's that's the way things have always worked. Merrick's disease, I'm reading on here, 
has plagued the chicken industry, caused $2 billion in losses annually for fowl farmers across the globe. The virus attacks the brain, spawns tumors in the birds, and comes in different varieties or strains. Um, and this is everything. With the hottest strains, every unvaccinated bird dies within 10 days. There is no human virus that is that hot. Ebola, for example, doesn't kill everything in 10 days. Folks, If I, I challenge people to look me in the eye and tell me that they could rule out that this is what's happening with these vaccines because it sure as heck seems this is exactly what is happening with it. I, I just wanted you to give a flavor, get a flavor of the stupidity for some of my colleagues in the conservative commentary industry that get up there, I'm pro-vaccine. What a stupid thing to say. We're, I'm also pro-vaccine. But why is Pfizer getting a leg up on the other ones? Why this was developed in eight months? We've never done that before. We never did a spike protein. Okay? But this is all old news. We could debate this when they were coming out. To ignore the results of what we're seeing is insane. Like I said, the only way that they might eventually be right that you all need to get vaccinated is if we have a Merrick's disease phenomenon. That basically, you should have never needed it, but but through the vaccinated, they created such a microevolutionary monster that it's self-fulfilling. And yeah, you have to get it. Otherwise, the vaccinated are going to hose you. Like I say, the most dangerous people to be around is in, a, in an area and, and at a time when the virus is circulating very widely to be around people, particularly vaccinated, Pfizer-vaccinated, non-prior infected people. Because they don't have the real immunity to block it. And they have the leakiest vaccine. That allows them to accept a degree of viral load that normally would would have you know th- thrown them in bed earlier and pass it on to people. It is the exact opposite. It is the ultimate blood libel that it's the unvaccinated killing the vaccinated, which never made any sense. It works or it doesn't. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Right, if it works, it should. It, it's never a problem. You know, you want to go on a on a mission. You know, a lot of missionaries go to go to all these you know places in Africa, Haiti, whatever. What do they do? They get vaccinated before they go. Well, everyone there is not vaccinated. Well, but no, a vaccine that works, that's not a problem. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't make a difference whether the other guy has it or you have it. It doesn't work then. If it works, then you have it. You don't care about the other guy. That was always the dumbest thing imaginable. So, um, that's the story, right? This was going on since the 70s with the chickens, but it was this 2015 study that concluded that the leaky vaccine made it worse. So, um, then they ask, does this evolutionary future breed more dangerous viruses? This study argues yes. In a second 
experiment, unvaccinated and vaccinated chickens were infected with one of the five Merrick's disease strains and then put into a second arena with a second set of unimmunized birds known as sentinels. In particular, the team was interested in a middle-of-the-road strain called 595 and whether it would become hotter. It did. The virus spread to sentinel birds nine days faster if it came from a vaccinated chicken versus an unvaccinated one. In addition, sentinels died faster when exposed to vaccinated chickens versus unvaccinated chickens. One way to look at the experiment is that shows vaccinated bird vaccinating birds kills unvaccinated birds. The vaccination of one group of birds leads to the transmission of a virus so hot that it kills the other birds, said Reed. If you vaccinate the mothers, the same thing happens. The offspring are protected by the maternal antibodies of the mother, and that allows the virus in the chickens and the chicks to transmit before they kill the host. So they transmit and kill the other individuals. This trend persisted when the team tried the experiment in a setting meant to simulate a commercial chicken farm. So there you go. There you go. We have an Ebola, an Ebola that transmits like a cold, okay? Again, I'm not trying to panic you. I I just, I mean, this is what's happening. It's unmistakable. So when you have these bastards dancing dancing on the graves of 30-year-olds who died... And they're like, ha ha, you didn't get vaccinated. Wait a minute. You got to think. Wait, 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 wait just one minute. Wait just one minute. We weren't seeing this beforehand. Meaning, even if, if they were right, it would be like, you have your 70-year-old that didn't get vaccinated. Ha, oh, you see, you should have gotten it, you died. But something is not right here. I mean, no matter what, that wasn't happening before there was any vaccine. The Delta. But the Delta wasn't doing that elsewhere. It's not a variant thing. It's a timing thing. It's a duration. And that works with the leakiness. I don't understand what's so hard to see. Now, a lot of you have posed a question that I've asked to some of our experts. A very disturbing question. Will natural immunity be the final shoe to drop? In other words... Are you creating such a monster with the leaky vaccine that it's going to get even people with prior immunity? Now, all my experts seem to be like, no, 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 it's going to hold up. So, you know, that that's what they're saying. But again, you know, what we've been saying for over a year here is that robust T-cell immunity will recognize any variant. It recognizes, you know, SARS-1 T-cells recognize SARS-2 different member of the coronavirus family altogether. But if the issue is not so much a variant issue, but um, but more of a viral load issue, well, I don't know. I mean, you tell me. If you make strep throat or, you know, RSV or anything in a Petri dish and then you magnify it 200 times and inject it into someone, 
I don't know. I mean, let, let, let's say you take someone who had measles, like my parents' generation. Measles, mumps, and you create an insane viral load. I don't know, I don't know the answer to that question. But it is conceivable to me that you could have such a microevolutionary enhancement over time that it's going to bust everything up. Who knows? But that is the truth of what is going on. Okay? I don't know what regimen Phil Valentine did and when he did it. I don't know what conditions he did or didn't have. You know, the the general sense of what he was saying is that he was a very healthy person, very high vitamin D, very this, that. To the extent that is true, that is all the more suspicious. Because the bottom line is, the way the virus was pre-leakage, again, except in extreme anomalies like being struck by lightning, if you were below a certain gradient, you never got critically ill from this. And then everyone, no matter what your status was, if you threw a little bit of just low-dose ivermectin at it without anything else, it would kick it away. And, and, and that often happened a pretty good success rate with people close to a ventilator, some were on ventilators, and it turned them around in a day. I don't know if that's still happening because what I'm seeing at the early level, it makes you wonder. That's not an indictment of the early treatments. That's an indictment of the damn vaccine. No one has a plausible explanation. We have never seen this in human history where something becomes this transmissible and this virulent. This has never happened. And the timing is exactly when all the studies say the leakage seeps from Pfizer. Okay? Didn't happen in February, March, April. You know, because a lot of people were groping in the dark, and, and this is uncharted waters. I mean, I didn't, I'm, we're, we're developing this theory as time goes on, but everyone thought, oh, you know, the vaccines created the variants. You know, and there were people talking about, like, there was a lot of experimentation. A lot of the trials were in South Africa, Brazil, India, a lot of places where you saw the variants. It's kind of, kind of funny. Um, <clears throat> UK as well, by the way. But, you know, I, I, I always said, and, and you heard me say this before, I mean, the variants were never a problem. There were always a lot of mutations. It shouldn't become more problematic. And indeed, it really wasn't. I mean, remember they kept saying the alpha, the beta, the this, the that, and it didn't make a difference. It, it really didn't make a difference. When it was its time to spread, it spread. When it, was, it wasn't its time to spread, it didn't spread. But then we saw it spreading not in its time. It's spreading insanely quicker and more virulent than ever before when we had 0% immunity in the population. I was like, not enough people vaccinated. What do you mean not enough people vaccinated? It's the same number of people vaccinated. Including in the places where it's almost universal. None of them could answer that. But we're answering that today. They created one big biomedical Afghanistan. And I want to explain why 
it's a biomedical state and not about some sort of, you know, good-hearted effort to save lives. Well, number one, obviously, they wouldn't be blocking early treatment. But let, let's let's just do this from a vaccine absolutist standpoint, okay? Okay, a vaccine absolutist standpoint. So it's been clear that these viruses, these vaccines absolutely do not trans, stop transmission. And that's immediately a problem, okay? Basically, you know, if it does, maybe it's for a month. It's hard to tell. Very early on, doesn't stop transmission. And then, you know, leaks its efficacy even on the protection for the individual, right? That, that is, that is a, an established fact on every study that has actually looked at the time difference of when people got vaccinated. So you're like, holy heck, we have a worse situation than ever before. Now, obviously, the solution is to have everyone prophylax and early treat at this point. I mean, it used to be just, you know, kind of haphazard early treatment would have helped you. Now, this is not my fault. This is not a ding against ivermectin or anything else. This is what they created. The, the better bet at this point is to kind of prophylax. But if you're like, no, I'm a vaccine absolutist. It has to be a vaccine. Here's a question. Why wouldn't you look into Novavax? I, I, I want to make it clear. I want to make something clear. They are the ones that are so damn closed-minded. Everything is no. On the other hand, on our side, we want an all-of-above approach. We want to save the most lives with the least amount of pain. Okay, so we're willing to try different things, which is why these doctors are constantly updating their protocols, trying to see what works, what doesn't. They're not stuck on stupid. So likewise, we're not absolutist against vaccines. And in fact, almost all these guys are very pro the concept of a vaccine. There's something called Novavax, which has had better clinical studies, clinical trials than the, all the ones that were approved, less safety concerns, and there's a reason for it. And yet they are being stonewalled, and, and it's going to be months, if ever, that they get EUA. And yet Pfizer has failed, and while they're failing, they get full approval. What gives? Again, Novavax you probably never heard of, and that's kind of the point. Not all cartel members are created equal. Some are bigger than others. It's political science. But if you were looking at the real science, this is from a trial site news, and they explain it. The mRNA vaccines must induce the same level of systemic infection with same expected adverse effects every time they are readministered in order to trigger an immune response. Novavax does not generate new spike protein, but rather delivers the same amount of spike protein at each administration, possibly with immediate immune reaction. All three of the U.S. authorized COVID-19 vaccines and all seven of those thus far emergency use listed by the WHO induce genetic material into our cells as do viruses, by the way. Novavax does not. Novavax can be thought of as similar to viral vectored vaccines with a step added. Rather than inserting genetic material into human cells, the genetic material is introduced into moth cells, so spike protein is generated and harvested outside the human body. Meaning, the, the, the way one uh, doctor has, has put it to me, the, the issue with the spike protein is 
you're putting the you're putting the enemy behind your lines. I was going to say behind enemy lines, but it's more the enemy behind your lines. And you're having it like light a match at any time and produce an unknown amount of spike proteins at an unknown amount of time in an unknown amount of places. And that's that's kind of the issue. Whereas this, it does its job already outside and you just inject that in the body. So you're not getting behind enemy lines. It's much closer with quirks, it's closer to a traditional vaccine. Now, I'm not, I don't think we have all the bases covered. And, you know, I would still like to understand how does this get, get around Vanderbosch's concern of whatever you're doing, um, vaccinating in a pandemic. But again, let's say, God willing, best case scenario, after all the devastation, this breeds enough herd immunity. You know, by hook or by crook, people get it, both vaccinated and unvaccinated, they wound up getting it because the vaccine failed, and we're kind of done with most of the emergency-level, pandemic-level circulation. You know, after the winter, let's just say. Devastating winter. I, I, God have mercy on us. So I'm all for, like, hey, you know, this thing is a real beast. You know, we want the next generation of people, new people being born, um, not to experience it, which is traditionally how vaccines work. So you don't have the problem vaccinating middle of a pandemic. I am all for like, hey, let's find something that does work. So why wouldn't you be intrigued by this? Why? The mechanism of action is much safer. Indeed, there were fewer issues with the clinical trials. They go on, Novavax has distinguished itself as a standout protein subunit COVID-19 vaccine by its strong performance in clinical trials. In addition to showing efficacy close to that of the mRNA vaccines, Novavax clinical trials have generated fewer reports of adverse reactions than other vaccine types. That is not surprising when one understands the difference among categories that is consistent with previous subunit vaccine experience. At the close of a short video on its website, Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance states, it is likely that a mixture of different approaches will be needed in order to stop the global spread of coronavirus and end the pandemic. So why aren't they? And unless you're blind as a bat, I think you realize it ain't science. It's political science, like everything else has been. You know, it's funny. I, I told you just today, a bunch of news dropped on Merck and Pfizer looking into their new drugs. And they're already saying, yeah, the vaccine's not working. Now, I'm all for new drugs. But wait a minute. If we have something that literally worked so well and didn't have adverse events for decades, why would you look for something new that's a fortune? So I got when I said that on Twitter, everyone was like, what do you mean, Daniel? These are massive clinical trials. That is a safety profile. Well... That's interesting because we had massive trials on the vaccines and nobody could look you in the eye and could have told you at the time that even the number of recorded adverse reactions plus the waning efficacy would have happened, okay? That was not the narrative. The narrative is it's 95% effective, the Pfizer 95% effective against transmission, 100% effective or 99% effective from critical illness. And it's the safest vaccine ever created. Okay, that was what they said. And the answer to the question is that clinical trials 
that are sponsored by Big Pharma in concert with government can no longer be trusted because they're political. It's the fox guarding the hen house. You don't have proper peer review on that. There's no proper oversight and transparency. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. We already got fooled with that. So look, believe me, I am no longer at the point where I say, oh, this is not a big deal. I'm the one telling you they're creating an unnatural evolutionary beast, Frankenstein here. I want this thing done. I would love for Merck and Pfizer to come up with a drug. Money doesn't matter anyway, so let the government just throw another trillion dollars down the drain, and we take it and we're cured. But I don't know. Do you really think it's going to work that way? Do you really think, what about the safety profile? What about the cost? What about the efficacy? We don't know. And if it is effective, what if you have to take it? Like one of them, like I, I saw, there's this talk about you have to take it every day and whatever. Well, we have cheap prophylaxis. You could do that. That's much safer. And we don't have to worry about, you know, dying from taking it. In other words, this is all designed to perpetuate itself. In many ways, I think it's no longer accurate to say that what we're doing on COVID is not working. Oh, it's working all right. It's working exactly the way they wanted it to. And folks, that is just the way it is till tomorrow. God bless you all, and thank you for listening.